0: Alright, turn in your Bibles if you would, open them up to Psalm 119. I want to speak to you on a subject this morning, more of a topical sermon than it is an expository message. I want to talk to you about grief and uh, give you a little bit more of an understanding of what the Scriptures say and how to be able to endure the difficult thing that you're going through, whatever that might be. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. I know that there are what I call root problems uh, in people's lives. But there are also rut problems, and the difference between a root and a rut is because sometimes when people have rut problems, they still are not dealing with their heart issue. I was just with a guy the other night, and I looked him right in the eye, and I said, the problem is that you have not given God your whole heart yet. And so when are you going to stop playing a game with God? And when are you going to give him all your heart? When I was about 27 years old, 28, God began to draw me to himself. I had already been uh, raised in a Christian home and I had already been to Bible college for a little bit, was through the Marine Corps and the Postal Service and so on. When God began to stir my heart that I actually needed to give him everything that I had, And I did so in a little small country church. And uh, I can remember saying, I'm going to roll my sleeves up and, and keep going. And here I am all these years later, not because of me, but because of the grace of God. And he will help you out of a root problem. He'll help you out of a rut. Maybe you don't have a root problem. Maybe you're just in a little difficult time and you're in a rut. If you've ridden a bicycle and got your... Uh, front tire in a rut. You know what I'm talking about. You can't get it up out of there and get back on the ground. And so I want to help you that uh, God is the answer and he will give you the strength and the ability to come out of that rut or deal with that root issue. And uh, I think it's important for us to understand that David went through difficult times, King David, and uh, they would write the diary out, if you would, or daily time. And that's what the Psalms are. We have an opportunity to look into the heart of King David as he was struggling with things that he had done in the past and sin issues and difficult times of sorrow and depression and grief. Um, if you look at the text with me, the, the main verse that I want to use is found in verse number 28. He says, My soul melts for heaviness. And then he says, Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can look at this biblical truth. Help me to explain it to the people. Lord, I have experienced your strength and your power from above. And it came during times of heaviness. And Lord, I pray that you would help those that are here today to understand, but also to apply uh, your word. And maybe there's someone here today that you brought to hear this biblical truth. You knew what I was going to preach, and now you want them to hear it. And so I pray, Lord, that every heart would, would pay attention today. We just ask that you would move in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to address the verse in verse 28 where it says, My soul melts for heaviness. What does that mean? Melts for heaviness. The Hebrew word is an interesting word. It's dalaf. And it means to drop or to drip, to distill, like spoken of a house when the rain drops through the roof, uh, continuously rotting the boards to where they want to then fall apart. Uh, I think in Ecclesiastes, this particular word is used by much slothfulness. The building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house drops through. You've seen it, where roofs cave in. I was driving by a farmhouse that I've seen through the years, and now the barn is now caved in. This particular biblical truth of having a heart that drops down, then it also means to shed tears or to weep. Like it says in Job 16.20, My friends scorn me, but my eyes... Nourish out unto God with tears. And this seems to be the meaning here. I think more of the heart crying, if you would. And so we could title this message. I titled it, um, you know, being strengthened by the Lord, or or abounding, always abounding in the strength of the Lord. But I could actually rewrite the sermon and and put on the top of it, um, heart cries. Uh, as I study it begin to let the sermon develop in my mind and in my heart, I can see that sometimes God allows people to go through such difficult times that their heart cries continually. It seems to be the meaning here. The term weep, though, would better express the meaning, heart weeping. His soul seemed to drop with tears, it overflowed with tears, and yet of this abundant or constant weeping in the, in the Scripture where it's talking about it's a continual action. It's not a gush of emotion as when we say of one that is bathed in tears, perhaps. It is the idea of a steady flow of dropping tears, slow, silent, constant, every night. It never goes away, even during the day that comes back. And this is what I would call grief as if the soul were dripping away or dissolving, like the idea is more striking and beautiful than that of melting. It is quiet but continuous grief that slowly wears away the soul. And I think there's two kinds of sorrow in this particular area. There is one concerning the idea that one represents the flood of tears like torments that sweep across our heart, and then it soon passes away. But then the other is a gentle dropping, a constant wearing, uh, slow attrition, if you would, caused by an inward grief that secretly but certainly wears away at the soul. This is what I would call biblical grief that someone goes through. The latter, the one I explained last here, is more common, the more difficult to be born than the other. The Septuagint, again, actually says, thy soul slumbers. That's the Hebrew uh, text brought into Greek. That's what the Septuagint is, the Old Testament in Greek. It says, thy soul slumbereth. And I think it slumbers because it doesn't know what to do. A lot of times when we go through intense grieving, And heaviness, we kind of run from our responsibilities, and we just want to take it easy a little bit. And by the way, if you continue to practice COVID things, you're going to end up in depression. Um, you got to come out of it sooner or later, and you have to take the mask off and get back to reality. I walked into Meritor Hospital yesterday, and I said, oh, we're still playing hide the smile game. And uh, they, they laughed and thought it was funny. But it's not when you visit a hospital room and someone is so discouraged they don't care whether you have a mask on or not. And so there is this heaviness that this word actually here in the text means to be full of grief or sorrow or vexation. It is this silent grief if you would, no one hears about it. It's hidden sorrow. And how many of us fall back into that secret until life slowly wears away and pretty soon it's been three years since you've even faced the reality of doing something that God calls you to do. This reality brings us to Jesus Christ and We have to remember that our only hope and our only true strength is going to come from above. That's where our hope comes from, and that's where our strength comes from. It doesn't come from any medical group. It doesn't come from any kind of medicine that we would have. We may have some prolonging, if you would, if our illness is through some kind of medication. But our strength and our power comes from above. It comes from God. And you need to be reminded of that daily. That's why the text is so important. He goes on to say, strengthen thou me. So give me strength. Strength to meet this constant wearing away, this slow work of sorrow. We need strength to bear great and sudden sorrow. We need it not less to bear that which constantly wears upon us, which makes our sleep uneasy, which preys upon our nerves, slowly eats away at our life. And then he says according to thy word. He mentions that in other places. We know that. Psalm 119 verse number 9 says, "Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy word." And so he's talking about application, not just reading and memorizing and meditating, but actually applying the word of God to your life. Psalm 119 verse number 25 says, "My my my soul cleaves to the dust Then he says, quicken thou me according to thy word." So basically what we're discussing this morning, and what I want you to understand is, is that there are going to be times of grief within our life. I think that there are some widows this morning. I think of Sarah Schmitz this morning. She woke up on Sunday morning and she has to get her children ready herself. Um, Elizabeth Ott has to deal with now the funeral home and so on of her husband, and they're going to experience grief. What is it? Well, according to Noah Webster, grief means the pain. Noah Webster said the pain of mind produced by loss or produced by misfortune or, or injury or evils of any kind Um, grief would actually be named as sorrow or regret. We experience grief when we lose a friend or when we incur a loss or when we consider ourselves injured. Um, And by sympathy, we feel grief at the misfortune of others because we kind of take it on ourselves when somebody else is going through a difficult time. The second definition, he goes on to say the pain of mind occasioned when we mess up morally. And I really believe that this is what brings grief to the heart of some, is a messing up or a moral issue that they're going through, sorrow or regret that we have done wrong, a pain accompanying repentance. We feel grief when we have offended or injured a friend. The consciousness of having offended the supreme being causes grief, and it fills the heart full of a desire to be forgiven. What is grief? There's a lot of definitions concerning it. You may have your own. I always say grief is like a wave that takes us to some place that we never thought we would go. Grief is your emotional reaction to a significant loss. The words sorrow and heartache are often used to describe the feelings of grief, whether you lose a loved one, or an animal, or your house burns down, or some object of value and it's all gone. Maybe a job that you really enjoyed, or maybe perhaps you had a dream. Maybe there was a marriage that went wrong, or maybe your good health is dissolved. And some level of grief will follow that. I I like reading um, other men's writings concerning grief. and and what they think about it. I was reading a while back, what is grief? And someone said it is bereavement. Grieving is a personal experience. It's the symptoms that could lead to depression, sleeplessness, or could result in a a weakened immune system. There's an author called Edgar Jackson, and he describes grief this way. He said it is a young widow trying to raise her three children alone. Grief is the man so filled with shock and uncertainty and confused that he strikes out at the nearest person, probably those that love him the most. Grief is a mother walking daily to a nearby cemetery to stand quietly and alone just for a few minutes before going through the rest of her tasks of the day. She knows that part of her is in that cemetery and just part of her in her daily work And in order to accomplish it, she takes the time to experience some grief alone. Grief is the silent, knife-like terror and sadness that comes hundreds of times a day. And when you start to speak to someone who is no longer there, grief is the emptiness that comes when you eat alone after eating with somebody for many, many years. He goes on to say that grief is teaching yourself to go to bed without saying goodnight to the one who had died. And grief is the helpless wishing of the things were different when you know that they'll never be the same again. And grief is a whole cluster of adjustments, apprehensions, and uncertainties that strike life in its forward progress and makes it difficult to redirect the energies to keep going on. I don't know if you've ever experienced this grief that I'm talking about, but it's not quite sudden, and neither does it leave suddenly. It's the long term. It's like the wearing down of an old house, and little by little it begins to cave in. I think the greatest griefs that I've experienced were brought on by myself, and I am the cause of it. And we cannot blame somebody else. John Adams Said this, grief drives men into habits of serious reflections and sharpens the understanding, but it softens the heart. I think that's what is good about grief because we need soft hearts. David, of course, the case here and the perplexities that he was experiencing, and he was being overwhelmed with grief. His heart was melting away as a candle burning in the night with the the threat of being completely overcome with the darkness and the fears that it might bring. He was dissolving away in tears. The solid strength of his constitution was turning to liquid, as as if molted by the furnace heat of his affliction. Heaviness of heart is a killing thing, And when it abounds, it threatens to turn life into a long death, basically, in which a man seems to drop away in that perpetual dripping of grief. And tears are the distillation of the heart. When a man weeps, he wastes away his soul. That's why he's all alone and many times self-medicates to take away the pain. Some of us know what that great heaviness means, for we have been brought under its power again and again. And often have we felt other, ourselves to be poured out like water and near to be like water spilt on the ground, never to be gathered up again. There is one good point of grief, for it is the better to be melted with grief than to be hardened with an unwilling stubborn spirit. And if you have experienced grief, I say that you have experienced God's hand upon you. Because it has not made you hardened so that you would say no to God, but it, it brought you to the place where you said, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. And what will it take for us to change? How much grief was much me we experienced for us to be able to change our mind concerning God? God. He has led you this far. I think sometimes when we think about this grief and this hardness of heart, we have to be careful as the bread of life strengthens a man's heart to undergo whatever God is pleased to inflict unto him. We have to remember that God has allowed us to to stay behind his cloud of providence, that we would say that God is in complete control of all the events of my life and I might make decisions, and, but it's God who orders my steps and I'm standing up here because of God allowing me to speak to you. And you're sitting in the pew listening because of God and his gracious hand upon your life. And if you've experienced times where you've been worn away, it can actually hurt you if you don't come out of it. Strengthen me, O oh God. Strengthen me. Strengthen me to do the duties that I was born to do. Give me the power to overcome this difficult grief that actually binds me. Give me the strength to resist the temptations that will harm me before I harm others. Give me the power and the strength to bear up under the burdens of the cross that I am called to bear and carry. Strengthen me. Strengthen me through my afflicted time and my afflicted state that my spirit may not fail and help me, help my faith not to fail during these times of grief and difficulty. Strengthen me though I feel deserted by the everlasting love from above and help me And help the godly man in times when he feels like God is not there. Because sometimes our feelings can lie to us if we're not careful. In Sunday school class this morning, I read a poem that was written by Martin Luther. And I want to read it to you. You say, well, Martin Luther, he was a Lutheran. Yeah, he was. (laughs) Very good. And I'm a Baptist, okay? So keep those things straight. Martin Luther opposed the corruption of the Catholic Church. He did a good job of it. And I think we still need to be careful in this issue because you see there is just one God, and he is in heaven. And there is one mediator between God and man. His name is Christ Jesus, and you place anything in between. You are full of heresy. It's just the way it is. Martin Luther said this, feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Not else is worth believing. Though all my heart should be condemned for want some sweet token where there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. And so I'll trust God's unchanging word till soul and body sever for though all things shall pass away His word shall stand forever. It's interesting when we think about this because maybe we needed to be able to, during that time of grief, experience it so our hearts could be tender enough so that we could do what God wanted us to do. This is true with Samson. Wasn't he strong at one time? And when we talk about Samson, we say, wow, I wish I had the strength of Samson. No, you don't. Because then God would require more of you. And what God has required of you so far, we have failed so much in that. But just think about him as he stands between the pillars. We were in a church where they have big, huge pillars. You might see pictures of it tonight if you come. And we thought about that and how he stood. Remember how Samson pushed the pillars? Had enough strength, just give me the strength one more time. The Bible records in Judges sixteen twenty eight, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, "O Lord, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged the Philistines for my two eyes." And, and a little while later, he pushed the two pillars through because God gave him the strength in his grief, in his sorrow. Hannah, remember the story. She goes on to say in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 6-10, through 10, it says, The Lord kills and makes alive, and he brings down to the grave, and he brings up again. The Lord makes power and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among the princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces, and out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto the king and exalt a horn of his anointed. And we know that she experienced an incredible amount of strength, and it came through the the time of grief and the time of tears. and I don't think we need to shy away from those times. It's okay to grieve. It's, o- it's okay to feel like you're melting away, but, but I want to help you and encourage you that the second thing here I want to bring out is that we have an abiding promise in the Scriptures. Look at verse 28 again. My soul melts for heaviness. Then it goes on to say, Strengthen thou me according to thy word. If we stay behind this and wait upon God, the Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 14, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say unto the Lord. Don't get impatient. Wait upon God and don't accuse him. And don't get a warped understanding of who he is during your grieving time. Know that he is God. Trust him like Job did through the difficult times. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Isaiah 40, verse 29, he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Zechariah chapter 10 verse number 12 and I will strengthen them in the Lord and they shall walk up and down in his name saith the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 16 the Bible says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory and be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I don't care how weak you feel God is strong and he will strengthen your heart and you can actually endure great things with God and come out of your grief to accomplish what he's called you to do. Oh, dear Christian, we live in the New Testament when the Spirit of God lives within us. And so we can say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And repeat that over and over because God can give you the strength to do anything, even when you feel so weak. And it's okay if you feel weak because in your weakness, he's going to be strong. Strengthen me and I may be able to embrace and battle as I overcome the trials. The Holy Spirit is really the strength within. I think about how the Jesus told us before he went to heaven that he was going to send the comforter. Remember that? We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. We have all three in one, and we are complete in Christ. And so if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you have the Spirit of God in your life. And by the way, if you've accepted a religion, that's all you have. If you've accepted a religion, that's all you have. Accept Jesus, and you have the Son and the Father and the Spirit living within you. And he'll give you the strength to do whatever God's called you to do. I like that where it calls him the comforter. Perakaleo, the one that will come alongside of you and comfort you. The Holy Spirit needs to be uh, translated, I think, in more of... uh, victorious way and energetic way than just comforter. Literally, we're talking about someone that will come and encourage you, someone that will come along and strengthen you. He is the strengthener. He is the encourager. He is the comforter. Boy, we need the Spirit of God today, don't we? More than ever. Don't grieve him. Don't push him away. He's been calling you to say, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, I'll trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. The answer will be yes, Lord, yes. There can be no doubt in any man's mind nor in any man's heart that God is our sustenance of our strength. And each of us must believe wholeheartedly and fearlessly, if you would, in the power and the glory and the strength of the Almighty God. Harold Johnson goes on to say, it would be more proper to say that each man must seek the companionship of God. And God awaits for the companionship of each of us. Because he wants to be your God. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you power. So, first of all, as we... Think about it. We have an abiding promise, but in the passage also we have an authentic pathway. And uh, verse 29, all the way down to verse number 40, give us those. Listen to what this says. I'll just read a few verses out of, out of, uh, out of uh, 119. Uh, look at verse number 29. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck into thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run away of thy commandments. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. I think it's interesting as we're talking about this because there's a shift now from where he's saying my heart's melting To where he's now making some really strong decisions. I always say that you know, you can you're as close to God as you want to be, because you can be really close to him if you choose to be, if you would take the time and say, Lord, I, I need to draw close to you. Would you please cleanse my heart of all filthiness of the flesh? And would you allow your Holy Spirit to create in me the right spirit so that I can be what you intended for me to be? He will do that for you. Think about how the Bible, first of all, in this passage, helps me understand a personal relationship. And maybe that's the first step to getting to where you need to be today is that personal relationship with God. Going to church is wonderful. But you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You must be born again. And uh, having a head knowledge is wonderful. But whenever I meet with somebody and they're talking about salvation, I'm always saying, let's go a step further than your intellect. Let's go a step further than your emotion. And most people live with their emotion and their intellect. But you know what? There's going to be a lot of emotionally intellectual people in hell. It's truth. God wants your will. He wants your will, he wants you to lay down and say, here's everything, I'm giving you my emotion, I'm giving you my intellect, but I'm giving you my will. That's what he's after. How long will it be till you give him the right to have a personal relationship with you? The Bible says in John 14, verse number six, it says, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. How practical. Proverbs 12, verse 18, it says, in the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. And so we see, first of all, that there needs to be a permanent resolution. I have chosen 30 times. Look at verse number 30, if you would. Verse number 30. I have chosen. That's a choice. If you were to... Take the word of God and look at how many times that the word chosen is placed in here. There's so many times. And really, it's a choice that you have and that I have. let say, yes, Lord, I choose you. I have stuck that one needs no prompt. In verse 32, I will run. No one needs to push me. I will run with delight and with diligence the way that I should go. The text reads in verse number 33, there was this preserving request. Look what he says in verse number 33. Teach me. Look at verse number 34, give me. Verse number 35, make me. Verse 36, incline my heart. Verse 37, turn away mine eyes. Look what it says, establish thy word. Turn away my reproach. Look at all these verbs. There's an action to it. There's taking the time of saying, I am going to give that permanent resolution to follow him. And then in closing, we have in the text an animated provision, if you would. Animated is a word that means alive and living. And so we have that provision that we have the Lord Jesus Christ to look to. He is alive and well. I talked to him this morning. I gave him my whole heart again this morning on the way here, and I start to pray with my wife first, and then my sons, and I go through and pray for the deacons and their wives, and then I pray for the Sunday school teachers. And by the time I pull in the driveway, pretty much everybody who serves here is prayed for by their pastor. I'm telling you, dear friends, there is a need for us to understand the purpose behind grief. It is not to make you feel bad. It is to help you understand that the God in heaven is seeking you. He's desiring you. He's pulling you closer to himself. And during grief times, you can say, here I am, Lord. Strengthen me. We have an animated provision, I believe, because he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's satisfied the Father concerning our sin problem, The Bible says in verse number 40, uh, Here, behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken thou me in thy righteousness. Listen to Romans 3, 25 through 26. Whom God has set for to be propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance to God, to declare, I say at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. What does that mean? That means that Dean Howell and all of his sin and all the things he's ever committed will take him to hell without Jesus Christ. And what I need is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not by works of righteousness, lest I would boast, but there needs to be a righteousness of God through Christ then given to me. And there needs to be a payment for that. And I, I can't pay the price, no matter how much money I how much time I give to God, I can never repay for, for my sin. The only way that I can have righteousness is through Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Amen. So he takes his righteousness then and gives it to me. <coughs> It's called imputation. Imputation means that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is placed upon Jerry Oler, and he has become righteous. It's not his righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. It's not trying to do good or paying your taxes and smiling at people and so on. It's a good thing to do, but it won't get you to heaven. The righteousness of Jesus Christ needs to be placed upon you. And that's where we come in. By faith, we say, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. <laughs> I know that, that I can't save myself. I can't wash my sin away. Jesus can. And so I receive Jesus. I open the door to my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin to Jesus. And would you please come into my life and save me. That's salvation. Then his righteousness is placed upon me. And you know what the Bible says, according to the verses I just read, that we're declared righteous. We're declared it. Jerry Oler is now righteous by Jesus Christ, not by Jerry Oler. Does that make sense to you? Because people frustrate themselves. They try to give to a church. They try to, do all kinds of things, and they try to follow sacraments, and and they don't know if they've got enough grace or not. That's a false understanding of what God wants you to know. Jesus Christ paid it all, and all to him I owe. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Have you called upon him? We have an animated Savior. He's alive. He's living He's speaking. I think about how that in my Sunday school class this morning, that one man was talking about his daughter and so on. I won't embarrass him, but he's talking about that. I told him, I said, look, live your life. There's all kinds of sermons, but the best one is a sermon in shoes. Sometimes pastors' kids, the pastor always is preaching to their kids. Oh, here comes a little mini sermon from dad again. But the best sermon I could ever preach is a sermon in shoes. And I really believe that that helps us understand a little bit more of who Jesus Christ is. And by the way, before I let you go, I want you to know that Jesus was born to die and to carry your sorrow and your grief. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And surely he hath borne our griefs, And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him. And with his stripes... We are healed. That's the truth about Jesus Christ. He's alive and well. I love the song, I serve a living Savior, a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. And I, I what? I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives lives within my heart. What a beautiful words. I think it was the Gaithers that wrote that. I'm not sure. But listen to this, it says, In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I I shall never despair. I know that he is leading. Through all the stormy blasts. the day of his appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ, the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving. And so good. And so kind. Are you struggling with grief? huh? Are you, are you full of sorrow today? Do you feel like you're whining away? It's just a matter of time. And you'll, you'll go to the grave. Is that you today? Turn to Jesus Christ. And he'll give you the strength. To be one that lives in victory. Everything depends upon your view of Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Howell, I've never been to a church like this before, but I sense the Spirit of God drawing me. Maybe you've never settled and made peace with God because you don't know how. Someone will show you from the Word of God but maybe I could help you this morning by encouraging a little. Let's take care of it this morning. Maybe you're here and you would say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not positive I'll go to heaven when I die. There's, there's doubts. And maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I want to be a born-again Christian, but I just don't know how. I sense the Spirit of God prompting my heart. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? No one looking around. Just lift up your, thank you. Maybe someone else with this, thank you so much. Maybe someone else this morning with these two, a man and a woman, say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I don't know for sure, but I would like to know. Is there anyone else? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Pastor, would you please pray for me? Thank you so much for your honesty. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian, but you're not where you should be spiritually. Why don't you just say yes to God? Give him your whole heart. I won't even ask you to raise your hand. But maybe you just need to come here to an old-fashioned altar and say, here I am, Lord. And do business eternal business with the God of heaven this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, why don't you stand to your feet, every one of you, if you will. Let's have an invitation. If you want to know more about how you can get to heaven, whether you're you're a man, why don't you come? And if you're a woman, come. And I'll have a man show you from the word of God or I'll have a lady show you from the word of God how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. I'm going to pray, and when I'm done praying, when I say amen, That's your cue to come if you need to come. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.